always know of Pink Spandex episode 134 for Thursday, July 14th, 2011. Jay here with another episode of No Pink Spandex. Got a special guest for you. He was on the show before, way back in 2006. So it's been five years, but we're so glad to have him back. Matt Austin, Bridge from Power Rangers SPD. Hey, Matt. Hey, wow. Holy crap. Yeah. 2006? Yes. Yes. Wow. September when the episode came out. So it's almost five years. Yeah. A lot, a lot has changed for me since then. <laughs> it's true. True. Holy wow. You too. A lot of things has happened. I mean, yeah. I remember, I do remember when you were on and you talked about this kind of documentary thing that you were war- working on about John Hughes and, you know, and you're just trying to get it going. And then look, look at you on all types of news outlets and and interviews and everything and you know yeah that was crazy so like uh, i mean how wh- what happened i mean yes i mean he passed away but how did it happen where it was you were the go-to guy for pe- the media to go to and say hey um we want to know more about your film uh let's see uh well because no one else was doing anything like close to what we were doing. I mean, any, any time a teen film comes out, um, whether it's the like, you know, uh, television news or, or journal, like paper journalism, anything like that, every review, every article always says like, it's no John Hughes film or they're trying to emulate John Hughes. So he was mentioned a lot, but nobody was like kind of putting him up on a pedestal, a pedestal, not a pedestal, what the hell's a pedestal, <laughs> on a pedestal and, uh, and kind of proclaiming him as one of the, you know, the film gods mm-hmm. that we were, that we were saying. And even while we were making the film, people were like, really? John Hughes, the guy that has the shot of the guy holding the underwear up and 16 candles, like you're telling me that he's one of cinema's greatest voices of the last few decades and mm-hmm. we would be like yeah and then when he died all of a sudden like like all great artists you know all great artists become a lot more appreciated after they pass on when they're no longer able to make their art right and i think the same thing it's 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 the exact same thing that happened with john hughes that he he passed away people are like oh my god he really was an artist he wasn't just you know some teen film or comedy director and when they started searching for material about him, they didn't really come up with anything more than like VH1 or MTV kind of where are they now time capsules. And then so I ended up being the voice for John Hughes, which is funny since I was making a film about him for four years, you know. Right. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you get to learn that it's just, I mean, yes, you know, you are talented, but it just happened to be the... I mean, unfortunately, he died, but it was like the right place at the right time kind of thing. So so how did you deal with that? How did you manage to deal with the onslaught of, oh, I'm the go-to guy? Um, it's funny. It's not, I think he might have said it off camera, 
But uh, one of my favorite interviews, Judd Nelson, uh, in the documentary, he said something like, um, nobody ever really prepares you for success. That's what we're mm-hmm. like. We're all, every human being on this planet, even if they're lazy and procrastinators, you know, you want success. And once you get it, no one really prepares you. So like <clears throat> when it was all happening, I had no idea like what I was doing, you know, at the very beginning when we started to do interviews and this is like, you know, hours after his death and we had been kind of uh, bombarded with offers for our film and you had to make a decision really quick. So we signed a deal very quickly and then all of a sudden CNN is on the phone with me and we're talking and originally people had said like, you know, don't look too happy that the guy died. (laughs) (laughs) So we were kind of finding our way and we, it wasn't that we were, of course, I would, I would trade the success of the film if to still have him around a hundred percent. But what people don't realize, because they judge you in like milliseconds, is that, like, since our interview in two thousand six, and since we started to make the film, um, three out of the four of us had gotten married, bought a house, started to have kids, all the while trying to make this goddamn film. Uh, without any money, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were like backed up into an alleyway where we were gonna, you know, have to sell blood and sperm to finish the film, to get it out there, and then and then John Hughes just like suddenly and tragically died, and all of a sudden our film had a voice. So mm-hmm. it was really hard. It was this these weird emotions of, of like mourning and success that all happened at the same time. It was really difficult actually. Did I answer your question or did I just ramble on? (laughs) No, no, you answered my question. Okay. I mean, I I mean, I guess I want to go into other things that might've been challenging. You auditioning for Power Rangers. You've done projects before Power Rangers. So what this audition from previous ones, how was that different? This is the only audition where I had to dance at it. You had to dance? Well, it wasn't like it was in the notes from my agent that, you know, prepare a dance. But they, they, they specifically said that the audition will consist of the scene. And then kind of like a, a second audition where they want to see you move. Okay. Um, and they just wanted to see that people had rhythm or could learn like choreography, I guess. And uh, when I went to the audition, it was in a small little studio room, and there were there were guys, you know, doing like the Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, like leg stretch and blood sport, <laughs> <laughs> like with their legs split on logs, and one guy's like, li- and I'm not making this up. One guy is literally doing this kind of running backflips where you run to a wall and backflip off of it. Yeah. And, like, I'm outside with my Walkman on, kind of, like, doing, like, the running man. <laughs> so so I really felt like they never said that they were looking for martial artists or anything, anybody with a gymnastic background. But, like, when you're walking into a Power Rangers audition and you see guys that have this ability, I was like, well, <laughs> hopefully they can't act. Oh, and and I, guess, I guess they thought that I was funny enough i i it's it's funny because the 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 all the the bridge audition and i also read for sky too 
nothing was like inherently funny about the audition. Um, it, like, I don't think anyone would say, oh yeah, you're, you're auditioning to play like the comedy relief. Mm -hmm. I think what happened is that they realized that that's the potential for the character when they saw a few of the actors audition and I just happened to be one of them. And then I'm assuming, uh, that they thought I had some sort of rhythm in my dance, but not rhythm enough to be taken seriously as a fighter. So, <laughs> so let's so let's make him, you know, the kind of oddball character that kind of gets away with what he can. So, did they ever tell you why Bridge and not Sky? Um, well, Sky's a jackass. Chris was perfect. He was perfect for it. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I'm almost a hundred percent positive in the original script that Sky had abilities like, um, uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Really? That he, that he could stretch. I'm almost, I'm a hundred percent positive actually that there was a scene between Bridge and Sky where Sky was like stretching his arm to grab like a video game from him or something. So the characters changed like, you know, quite a bit. And uh, as I'm doing right now and rambling on, Bridge was always written that he kind of <laughs> just rambles. And uh, when I asked uh, Adam, one of the producers, and, and Bruce, the infamous Bruce Kalish who took over, um, you know, why, why me? They said that I was the only one where I made sense of these kind of uh, run-on sentences. And I was like, oh. And like Bridge, like Bridge does, like I was like, oh, I didn't know I did that. Right. <laughs> now I do. So basically they just saw – so like out of – when the when the auditions were happening, how many people were were there? Was it like one of those? It wasn't like one of those cattle calls, right? It was just like, but it was a. How many people were there though? It wasn't like like a, a cattle call officially is when it's like no matter who you are, you can audition. Right. It's like like a cattle call is like American Idol or America's Got Talent or whatever. Right. So you had to have an agent to get in, but it was across like it's it was an international casting search um they went to of course new zealand australia the, all across the states canada and you know i'm, I'm sure like south africa too and stuff like that so mm -hmm. the, the competition was pretty fierce mm -hmm. and i think i think i mean for me at least that took a little bit of the pressure off actually because i really was approaching it like what chances in hell do i have Right. With, with this kind of competition, I think, I think I've probably talked myself out of auditions where it's just like you know just actors in Toronto. So my competition is you know two dozen people. If there's something like kind of safe about the idea of it being you know twelve hundred actors per role. Mm. I was like, ah, there's no way. So you just go in and you have fun and then you leave. And then I got a call asking if I could stand on my head. And I said I'd learn. And I said. <laughs> so then so how was your first day on set um because i know you had the boot camp and i've heard you previously say that that you love the boot camp and yep. getting hit and everything um so how was that and then going your first day of filming um the first day of filming i actually got pulled aside at some point 
for asking too many questions and for acting more like a director than an actor. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was a good lesson. And it, it was a good lesson to, to learn, you know, as an actor then, and it was a good lesson to learn as the director that I am now. It's to not not confuse the two. Yeah, I, I was just so excited. I was on set. I was in New Zealand. There were these guys dressed up as friggin' monsters coming at me, you know. And, you know, I'd be asking, like, where, where the camera's going to be? How is, how is that shot going to make sense with that shot? Shouldn't we be over there? Maybe Chris should say his line like this, you know. And then like, I got kind of got pulled aside and they said they didn't hire me as a director. They hired me as an actor. And then from then on, I just gave them all I could okay. as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've, I would feel so. But did you feel embarrassed or more like, OK, learning lesson? All right, I'm going to just, yeah, and you just like bounce back because I would feel completely embarrassed and crawl up in a corner and die. Oh, no, I thought I was going to get fired. I was like, oh my God, I flew 18 hours to get fired because I'm an idiot. And no, it it wasn't like that. I mean, even before we started shooting, you know, the very, like, Bruce and Greg were, you know, were our captains. And so we spent a lot of time with them before we even shot. So I had shown them films I had made as a director. So they, it's not like it came out of the blue to them. Mm-hmm. They kind of knew that that's kind of like something that really excited me. So they just, they just wanted me to simmer down and channel all that energy into, I don't know, taking my, my glove off or something. <laughs> <laughs> and buttery. Yeah. Uh, so during the season, how did you... Um, try to either evolve the character or try to change it up that uh, it might not have been their initial idea, but then over time it became more of a collaborative effort. Sorry. I got confused for a second. (laughs) Say that again. Okay. So you have your character bridge. Yeah. I'm bridge. And usually with characters, on certain seasons, yep. they don't change much. And oh, okay. so how did you try to evolve the character? Okay, uh, I gotcha. Yeah. I hear you now. Um, I think it originally started because I just, I started to take things personally, uh, to, be, to be completely honest. In the first, like, 12 scripts, there was, there was a lot of um, Bridge saying something and then, like, the whole team going, Bridge! And... Everyone else started to have these kind of other moments where, like, their other characters listened to their character. And, like, I don't know. I guess it was just after, you know, it's not only after, like, you know, 12 episodes in a script, but also, you know, 30 takes per day of people going, bridge, bridge, mm-hmm. bridge. I was like, there's got to be more to bridge than just being the the this, this, the this the idiot side character. Like, if he's that much of a of an oddball, how did he ever get into the team to begin with? Mm -hmm. Um, That moment, uh, Greg and Bruce go, okay, no, there's, there's gotta be something else going on here. And I think at the very beginning, they kind of just appeased me by like being like, you know what we should do? We should create a bridge and boom spinoff. They're like college roommates. And it shows them after, you know, SPD and they're living together and, in the city and they get into all these kind of hijinks building like different, you know, gizmos and gadgets and things. 
And that that obviously never happened and, pro- and definitely never will. But at, at the very least, they started to humor me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then it was through that that they started to add more things and like, I guess, the whole Jewish thing and the buttery thing and like how I was born. And uh, and the very first, this is just a funny story, uh, the episode Sophie where there's like the android character. Mm-hmm. Um, when I... Up until like you know, I, I don't know how many pages the script was. Let's let's say it was twenty-one pages. Up until like page seventeen, I was like, oh my god, Bridge has a love like has a love interest. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then as it wrapped up, and she turns out to be this other thing, and they're like, no, it's more like an older brother thing. I was like, oh god damn it! <laughs> and that's also when I learned that like the kind of disnification of, of the series had made it that like, you know, relationships can be hinted at, but never really fully realized. Yeah. Like it had been before where there was a certain element of romance and drama and stuff. So what else did you wish that happened with bridge? This was my wish. And I think it only didn't happen because of time constraints. And there's so many other things you have to think about when writing or shooting Rangers is you have to incorporate this whole other storyline that already exists and you either can go off on a tangent from it or or do it verbatim. But one of the things I really wanted to do was uh, was have Bridge lose his powers. Mm-hmm. Not not his power not his like morphing powers, but his like telekinetic powers so that he could touch things and how that would just kind of like mess with his identity. And how he would, how, how like how it's something that he would yearn to get rid of, but once it was gone, yearn to get back, right? Kind of thing, because that has that's his connection to the team and and all that. So that that was one of the storylines that I really wanted to have, but I think it was mostly inspired because it was really hot in New Zealand, and wearing those gloves really made my <laughs> like it, it was really uncomfortable. So I think it was like, do I have to wear the glove? They're like, you have to because it doesn't make sense that you would have it off because your powers would be buzzing. I'm like, well, we should have a storyline where. He doesn't need the glove. He loses his powers. He loses his self, you know, his sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I think for a night, for a moment, they were both like, "That's a great idea." And then I think it just turned to be completely unfeasible. So but like, in fan fiction, I I I welcome fan fiction. <laughs> Was there anything in SBD that um, they talked about doing but they didn't get to? There was a there was a sort of feeling in the air when we were shooting that we had a sort of different caliber of actors not to say that the actors that came in previous seasons were not good i'm not saying that at all they were just saying there's kind of a there was just a different vibe um in the air and at some point um uh bruce started to talk about this idea of creating like a like a movie of the week almost where in a sort of galaxy quest kind of way um because we were all such good friends when we shot, they thought it would be funny if, you know, in this movie of the week, we're all kind of hanging out as we did. And these kind of like real aliens that Greg would have designed, you know, comes, comes down and they mistake us for, you know, the SPD Rangers. And they kind of call us into duty. And then as our real uh, personalities, mm-hmm. we kind of have to embrace playing our characters for real. 
And that was one of the things that we all got really, you know, obviously really excited about that never really happened. That and and while we were shooting, you know, there was all all this talk about, you know, the um, coming back the next year as a full cast reunion. Right. That that didn't happen for that year. We were like the only year that that didn't happen. One of the only years. But why? Yeah. Why didn't it happen though? I have no idea. Budget. It all comes down to it all comes down to money. Well, you know, Mystic Force didn't deserve you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, speaking of reunions, I guess I'll bring up um, Once Ranger. So, how did you uh, get called back to do it, and what was the process, and how was it? It was awesome. Um, going back to New Zealand itself was pretty incredible. You know, it's kind of like you know meeting an old friend. Um, and meeting the other, the other, uh, ranchers from previous years was pretty cool too. Um, going back to the set, seeing the crew and, uh, let's see, how did it happen? Um, I think it just happened through like a kind of process of elimination and, uh, <laughs> well, because they, they knew they wanted, you know, um, which rangers from 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 the earlier years, and then they realized that they were missing a red ranger mm-hmm. and i think I think just based on kind of like popularity um and i and co- comedic opportunities is like how it ended up with me and that, which which are both great. You know, I think they looked on. They, I think they looked online to see, you know, which rangers people like talked about the most, and they already had the girl quota, so it ended up, you know, coming down to to me, Brandon, and Chris. So I think it was really between Brandon and I. And Brandon was like exploding at the time, uh-huh. and uh, I was really, you know, all over coming back to do it. And so when they invited me back, and they told me I was going to be red. I was like, well, how does that make sense? They're like, you're actually the only character that that could make sense for because your character makes no sense. <laughs> so anything we do makes sense then. I was like, oh, all right, I'll wear it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and then you said working with the the uh, other cast members from the older seasons, what was that like? Well, that was great. Yeah, everyone was really good. I actually, the, the, um, the person I kind of... Uh, had the closest relationship was uh, Rich uh, Xander from oh, right. him and I had some good times together. You know, he, he plays music too. And uh, he, he's like a lady killer. So it was good to go out on the, <laughs> on the, on the, in the Auckland seat, uh, Auckland streets and see like ladies swoon after him. Um, and then, yeah, Johnny Young Bosch, the veteran. So what was, what was working with him? Like Johnny's Johnny's great, man. He, uh, we, we tossed ideas back and forth all the time. And obviously, you know, kind of like my, uh, audition experience, like we would go in and I remember we were shooting a, like a warehouse fight scene and it was funny cause in the reunion episode, I did a lot more of my own stunts than through the entire <laughs> previous <laughs> year. And I, yeah, and I guess that's only because they, I mean, they only had me for three weeks. So if I got injured, it was okay. The other way. <laughs> If I get injured, I'm screwed for a whole year almost. Um, So, but, but, you know, that it was like a somersault here, uh, a leg swipe here, and then the stunt, the stunty would go in and then, you know, you'd hit, you'd jump into your mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
watching Johnny, like Johnny was doing like wires and stuff. Like, and at the time, you know, like Matrix was was just coming out too. It was like it, it, we we felt like we were watching, you know, the Wachowski brothers film something because he was he was doing all his own aerials. He was doing we we would watch him do like backflip after backflip and. It looked good, like it looked better than we could have ever hoped to, and he'd be like, "No, let's do it again. Let's do it again until I get it right." So he he was just amazing to watch because you know he's he's trained. Right. Um, anything in Once a Ranger uh, that you wished would have happened uh, storyline wise? Um, no, I mean they kind of did everything that they could have done with it mm-hmm. in terms of like why all these rangers are together now. Um, because for me, okay, from my point of view, I remember when yeah, we reviewed yeah, what, it. What, what do you want? Your, what do what I do, want? What, yeah, what, what do you want? I, I remember when we reviewed it, and it was a lot. Uh, because usually when they have these team-ups, they, I mean, like, in the season, you see, you know, these characters for, you know, a good while. And then when you come up with the, uh, with either the previous season or in your case, you know, various people, you want to see more of them and... And the more interaction with them, with the new guys, that wasn't the case. (laughs) Right. You had like most of the first episode is flipping in the air with uh, overdrive, right? Yes. Um, Yeah. The overdrive, like flipping in the air and, you know, wire foo, slow motion explosions for like a good 20 minutes. And then the last two seconds, you guys come up. And then the first 15 minutes, it's like. Yeah. Hi, one liner. Hey, which was awesome. Like those were awesome, but it was just like, okay, we want to see more of the guys that we haven't seen in a while than the ones that we have seen for the past how many episodes. So to me, it was just like we wanted more of you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think we we all felt the same way. But now being way more immersed into like writing and directing than I was then too. Um, it's really hard to work that in because you have to shoot all new original stuff with, um, in, in the, the Ranger outfits. Right. Uh, whereas for overdrive, they could just use all the existing footage, but there's no real footage that had, you know, the five of us mm-hmm. from Japan, from, from like the Sentai series stuff. So, it's it all it all becomes a matter of economics and and how much can they shoot with us how much stuff do they have to shoot which they did like all new action sequences stuff and then how much can they use that already exists and usually what already exists trumps everything else mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because i think um i just like in way back in the days um like the earlier seasons uh when they dealt with the sentai footage uh, it wasn't like, I mean, yes, yeah, they had to use whatever was usable and try to save money, and that was still the case. It was just like, oh, okay, well, okay, we have the this footage, but you didn't have. It wasn't like married to it in a sense, right, right, right. And and so you, even though you did, you had this footage that you had the characters that are out of uniform and they had their own storylines and they kind of explored different things that you would not have gotten if you were married to it. And I think that was like the main thing. It was like, oh, well, just because you have this footage doesn't mean that's the only thing you can do. And so that was a little bit of the frustration 
on top of we want to see more bridge or we want to see more uh, right yeah insert character name that i'm completely forgetting <laughs> it's been yeah. so long you know so but um anything that um either from spd or from your return to uh overdrive any moments that stuck out anything funny anything embarrassing uh anything <laughs> that uh you can think of um no <laughs> sorry i wish i had an exciting answer it was just it was just a lot of fun just to just to be there and hang out with the guys and see the crew again and i think um i think yeah, they said i was in better shape oh really that, that's all i remember is that they said i was in better shape than i had been when we shot spd and then was anything from spd any funny moments from spd that you remember off the top of your head off the top of my head, uh, from, or the bottom of your head, or wherever. From the, yeah, from the soles of my feet. Uh, Chris Violetta almost broke my nose. What? In one of the first episodes, uh, when we were running through, when Jack has us run through the mud course, which we've all we've already talked about there being like a funny moment of like a stunt performer just being way overzealous and wanting to be on camera, <laughs> and, and wiping out, and us not realizing it was part of the shots. And as it being like way, way distant in the background, being but so impossible to focus on that it would just distract us to the point of us laughing hysterically. And once you get the you know, once you get the laughs on, they're hard to stop. Right. But but between setups, I mean it was mud everywhere, so we started to have mud fights and Chris literally picked me up and tossed me like uh slip and slide styles where uh like belly first on the ground and I hit my nose and I started to bleed through like a crack of my nose. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I still, I still have the scar there. Right now. Oh really? Yeah. Thanks Chris. It, yeah. It wasn't broken, but he broke the, like the skin right on my nose. So yeah, there's like a little light scar from that, but I love Chris. <laughs> okay. So speaking of your cast members, I'm just going to name them and then you can give me a little anecdote or a little, little gem about them. So, I mean, Chris almost killed you. That's what, yeah, that's that's what you're yeah. going on record saying. Chris almost killed me on an offset on multiple occasions. <laughs> but he also, like, saved my life once, too. So it's uh, all good. Wait, how? Uh, it's not worth talking about, but we got into a little bit of a fight with some Australians when we were on a wine tour, and Chris was the hero. Oh, he saved my yeah. life. Yeah. And he's younger than you, right? Or you're older? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's younger than me, but he's like three feet taller than me and all muscle. So. <laughs> okay. And then what about um, Brandon? Um, a, a, well, Brandon is like, he's like Denzel Washington, man. <laughs> he's uh, Brandon. I mean, uh, when we, when we all arrived on set and, uh, one of the things that I think I I have going for me the most, more than like writing or coming up with how to shoot a scene or whatever, is uh, like an eye for talent. And when I first met Brandon, like um, like based on his handshake at the airports, I was like, that this guy's going to be a star. And uh, he was great when we were shooting. I mean, it was Power Rangers, but he took it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and and wasn't embarrassed by it. Kind of like when we wrapped, I was like, I can't believe I was a Power Ranger. And he was like, Yeah, I was a Power Ranger. What's next? <laughs> and, you know, uh, and since then, I mean, he 
he was already experienced, but since Power Rangers, he's gone on to do some really cool stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, including a little AMC show that's one of the most watched shows on television right now. Yeah, The Killing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's going to be very famous. That's my thing about, about Brandon. We, we, we keep in touch a lot. One day I'll write something where we can be like, can be like a lethal weapon style. Yes. He, yeah, he'll be, I'll be like the Mel Gibson character and he can be Danny Glover. And, That's... Yeah. So maybe so we, we talked about playing, playing cops opposite each other. It'd be funny. It'll be amazing. All right, next up. Next up is Monica. Monica, um, Monica's a sweetheart. She made me art all the time. And uh, when uh, I visited L.A. and she moved to L.A. from Florida, she cut my hair a couple times. Oh. <laughs> um, I haven't spoken to her much since then. Um, but, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun hanging out. She always ate my food. She always ate your food? Yeah. She's the kind of person that you'd be like, are you, she, you'd be, there'd be food left on your plate. And she'd be like, are you done with that? <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just taking a break. Oh, okay. Because if you are done, because if you are done with it, you know, I'll, I'll try a little. I love uh, it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, um, Allie. Yeah. Well, Allie is in Vancouver now and has a beautiful baby boy and, uh, we just, because we're both parents now, we just send each other notes every now and then congratulating each other on how gorgeous our children are. <laughs> yes. But, um, but we haven't really been able to stay in touch. When we were both in Toronto, we went out like for coffee a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in Vancouver, so it's hard. Brandon is actually in Toronto a lot, so I, I, I see him a couple times a year. Oh. But uh, I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen her for a while. Okay, and we got uh, Greg Aronowitz. Greg, uh, I stay in touch with a lot. One day we'll work together again. I just don't know how. He actually made my uh, my engagement ring for me. When I decided I was going to ask my wife to marry me in New Zealand, I needed a ring, and I wanted it to be original. So I, cur- I, I sketched a, a bunch of uh, ideas on my little notepad, and he, like in his, uh, like, you know, in his uh, apartment, in his hotel room, he uh, he like carved it out and molded it and like heated up gold and set the diamond and everything. Wait, wait, wait. So he actually made your engagement ring. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. He did do it in the wrong type of gold, but <laughs> but my wife loves it nonetheless. But yeah, no, it's 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 quite awesome and Greg is is I mean, I think everyone knows pretty pretty talented. Right now he's like designing like the the they're like the little uh, Smurf toys that you can buy for the new movie. Oh, really? Yeah, like th- that guy does some incredible stuff and has some incredible people that want to work with him. So hopefully mm-hmm. we get a chance to work together soon. He he does have a project where he wants me to play like a a werewolf that works in an, an office. Okay. Uh, like I love like, it already. Like werewolf, like like early like black and white horror film styles, not werewolf like Twilight. Twilight, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, like Teen Wolf styles, so okay. uh, he's talked about that for a while. So hopefully that comes together. Oh, so you actually? Because I remember that you were—I think it was in your bio for um, Power Morphicon that you weren't acting as much anymore. So are you 
changing your mind a little bit? Are you? Um, like I don't have, I don't have an agent anymore. Um, I'm still really interested in acting, but I'm, I'm focusing on my career as a director. So if there was any offers that come by or any opportunities to work with friends, I, I would take in a, in a heartbeat, but I'm not like actively kind of looking for roles. Right. But if Greg called me, I would do it for sure. You know, if, if, if uh, someone from Saban called me and said they'd like me to come back to play Bridge again or a new character, I would do it in a heartbeat. Aha, uh-huh, all right. Mental note. Take that down. <laughs> and last but not least, um, Bruce. Bruce is like my total mentor. Uh, he's awesome. And he got me one of my first kind of professional gigs as a director after... Uh, after the documentary came out, he had me interviewed for a new show that he exec produced um, called uh, Mud Pit. It's like it's for Teletoon. It's like this animation uh, live action hybrid of these kids who are in a band that competes in this kind of like guitar hero meets real uh, real life kind of world where their lives online actually are lives. Um, so it's split between this kind of live action teen comedy kind of thing. And then these kind of like computer graphics of them in the game. And uh, I directed three episodes and it was amazing. It was great. And it was all because of Bruce. Oh, so, I mean, where is that show? Is that showing in Canada? It's on a series. It's on a station called Teletoon. I don't know what the U S deal is, uh, but uh, it will definitely be out in the States. I just don't know what, what, what channel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do it, do a search for mud pit m-u-d-p-i-t um and it should come up and you know my guess is it will end up on like abc family or something because it's a, it's like a teen tween kind of show it's kind of like it's kind of like saved by the bell right in that kind of world kind of thing oh, okay yeah. well congrats very Thanks. happy for you and um you know what and actually this reminds me because uh, you said that you know that you're trying to do your directing thing whatever happened with the documentary about uh, <laughs> Power Morphicon or just Power Ranger fans in general? A lot of people were interested in making it happen. The problem is that uh, every network is owned by a different network. And to make a, to make a, a film and actually have money to pay for it, which is not what we did for the John Hughes doc, that we just kind of like... we we put our own money into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do it with like with financing, you need to have distributors on board and broadcasters on board. And all the kind of broadcasters um, didn't like the idea of following around this kind of like adult community that likes the Power Rangers, um, but shied away from it specifically because of like their, for like legal reasons. Um, there's like a channel called Space Channel, but Space Channel... Um, is owned by someone else, and it's not Disney, or so, or like so. They were like, "Why are we going to do a thing about something that's that's a Disney product?" Right. Okay. And Disney is just too big a machine. And as you know, at the time, you know, it, it's not that Disney. Disney was just focused on the kid side of things, so they wouldn't have given us any money to mm-hmm. to to make it Saban, it could be a different, a different story, but I think it's just, you know, when I started, when I made the, the John Hughes thing and when I started to make the original, the first 
uh, Power Ranger fan doc. I was younger and I didn't have a kid and a family, but now I do and I have to, I can't fund it out of pocket anymore because I have to buy diapers. Mm-hmm. So if, if I could get the funding, I would do it in a heartbeat, but it looks like it has to be independent and it, it, that cash just doesn't exist right now. Oh, I Who see. knows? Yeah. I mean, because like we, I remember we just, I saw a, like an extended trailer of it and, uh, and you know, there was, I don't want to, I don't want to say mixed feelings because like anybody who says anybody who you have, I don't want, you're not an outsider, but anybody who is like, you know, kind of like an outside looking in onto any kind of fandom, you're going to get. Oh, why are they portraying us this way? Why are they portraying us that way? Why, you know? Right. So like, so in the trailer, I remember people saying that there were, uh, you know, there was sh- um, focus on the more. Um, how do I put this? <laughs> um, socially awkward people, and not enough focus on the regular fans. Um, I don't know if they, have you ever heard the, any criticism when you were. Uh, making that trailer did you what were your thoughts going into it for sure I wasn't focused on finding the most obscure kind of odd fans it's just those are the people that I was able to talk to <laughs> and they're the it's just the truth they're it's a, they're inherently more interesting to watch um, I mean that's that's just it about you know TV and film in in general is nobody wants to watch like normal people <laughs> You know, that's that that's why there's no shows on TV really that cater to like a completely normal audience unless you can't like parenthood. But parenthood is there to like show like the funny realities and the drama of raising kids and stuff. Otherwise, like all the shows are about, you know, people you don't know. So mm-hmm. that's usually the focus of of film and TV in general, is it it's there to entertain and most people want to watch something that's a little off kilter. Yeah, I mean, I but think it was. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I say, but it was never my intent to portray anybody in a bad light ever. It's to show the heart behind everything. Mm-hmm. Because I think what it was is that uh, you have, you do have people that are, well, I mean, I'll say quote unquote normal, but they do have these stories about, I mean, there are people who have met and married because of the show. Uh, there are people who, you know, are either into, um, you know, firefighting or they're in the army or whatever because they were inspired by the show. And so I can't, I think it was like, I mean, yes, the spectacle and everything is great. I think it was of more of they were worried you don't get the, I don't want to say normal, but that, that's only the word that's coming up. The more uh, normal <laughs> ways of like, oh, wow, like a show that, that act they could actually bring together people and have different outcomes in different people's lives, you know? So. Right. Well, that was going to be my focus of the, <laughs> of that was a, gonna as be a it. teacher. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, Hey, let's hope the show lives on for longer and then, uh, maybe I can try and make it happen again. <laughs> so let's get into, uh, your upcoming project. Uh, sure. One day you'll paint a sunset. That's that right. Correct. So, um, what is that about, and uh, what do you uh, want to do with it in terms of seeing a future? Either, either is it a feature? Is it a um, going around the indie circuit? What? Just not tell me about it. <laughs> 
Okay, so there's uh, there's there's a, a place in Canada. It's called the National Screen Institute, and they take in like every year um, submissions from the upcoming Canadian director, producer, writers. And uh, I had submitted uh, a script called One Day You'll Paint a Sunset to go through their kind of film boot camp. And out of, you know, 200 plus submissions, I was selected to go forward uh, to be shortlisted to 16. And then from 16, they select four people to go through this boot camp. And from boot camp, you go through this rigorous training and then your team is or may not be selected to be greenlit to make the film. And I'm one of three films that's been greenlit to make. Okay. Um, the story is, uh, is about a, this is the, this is kind of the backstory, but I always like setting up, setting this up is it's about a guy kind of awkward in life and funny in love. And, you know, his car breaks down when he's 21 and he sees an ad in the paper to work at a bowling alley at like the shoe rental counter and he takes it. And the film begins like 10 years later when he's still working at the goddamn bowling alley that's completely crushing his hopes and dreams. And uh, it's kind of about the mundaneness of working in like a tobacco stained middle of the road bowling alley where there's birthday parties and gum to clean up. And then one day, uh, an extremely hot girl starts coming into bowl and he is instantly smitten with her. And he is trying to figure out a way that, uh, maybe the two of them could get, could get together because then maybe he'll finally be happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he meets a little girl, like a six year old little girl that kind of becomes his like dating coach. <laughs> And uh, it's a short film, and uh, it's got a very Woody Allen, P.T. Anderson, John Hughes kind of uh, vibe to it. And we need help with money to give us the finishing funds to make the film right now. Oh, okay, so how how much have you raised so far, and what are you aiming for? Well... There's a couple of sites. They're called like crowdfunding sites. Basically, it's it's like it's it's like knocking on people's cybers doors and uh, and begging for money. And but instead of just saying, "Hey, I'll give you a credit," there's all these kind of perks that can come associated with with a, a credit and with helping the film get made. Um, so we realized that the minimum amount of money that we would need is $5,000. So we went out and we campaigned and we raised the $5,000, which is amazing. However, that like just gets the film made. We still need to finish it. Mm -hmm. And so we actually really needed 10, but we couldn't ask for 10 because the way these sites work is that if you don't rate, you set your goal for a certain amount of days and then you set it for a certain amount of money. And if you don't raise the money in a certain amount of days, you don't get any of it. Mm-hmm. So if I raised, you know, $4,999, I mean, obviously I would contribute my, a dollar myself. <laughs> but, like, if you don't come close to raising your funding, all that time and energy you spent kind of collecting these people to help you, they all get their money back, which is great for them. 
you know, <laughs> ba- bad for you. So we, we specifically set it at 5,000 because we thought that that was an achievable goal. But we actually need, we actually need 10. I don't know if we'll get to 10, but uh, right now we're almost at 5,800. And, and if it could get to seven, it would be absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, because so, you had to, I mean, you put your SPD Red Ranger suit on eBay. I, yeah. And I cried, a little tear. I, it's okay. I've spent some time with that suit and cried myself. We've said our, we've said our, our passing goodbyes. Um, yeah, it's just, I was just, you know, I was looking around the house. You know, I'm, I'm already, like, doing people's yard work to try and raise some more money to do this. And I was thinking about, you know, what, what do I have that I, can, that I can raise some significant funds for? And uh, I thought, well, I stole this for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put it online and see what happens. So yeah, I'm doing I'm doing everything I can to raise this money. I'm very serious about making this. This is like my last. You can only make so many short films, but so this is my like last hurrah um, in the short film world. I'm, it's a short film, but it's being produced like it's a feature mm-hmm. because the next film after this is a is a feature film. Oh, okay. So. This is going to be the film that when I you know, knock on, you know, Paramount's door that they take me seriously with. So I need all the money I can get. Um, yeah, and, so, poor, and poor Brandon, he was crying. He was crying too. He was like, no! Hey, you know what? I offered to sell it to him first. He said no. So. <laughs> he was like, uh-uh, no. I'm not, I'm not contributing yeah. to you your can, demise yeah, he, of losing your suit. Yeah, he 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 contributed to the to the fund, but he wouldn't buy the suit. <laughs> but now there's a there's 36 hours left before the whole campaign is over. So I've uh, I've designed some new things to. Oh, there's 35 hours left. I just refreshed. Um, so I've designed some new perks. You want to hear about them? Yes, I do. I want to hear them. Okay. So. If you go to the site, which, uh, I mean, it's a long URL. Um, but we'll have it on the we'll site. We'll have a link. We'll have a, yeah, yeah. We'll have a link. Yeah. So if you click on the link, there's like a green part that shows like all these different perks for contributing to the film and at how much uh, you have to contribute. So there's like $8, $20, $40. And there's these two new ones. Um, one of them is for $51 and it's called 15 Minutes. And uh, this is kind of specific to like, you know, Ranger fans, is that uh, if, you, if you contribute 51 bucks and you click on this specific little part of that green pull-down screen, um, I will give you 15 minutes of my time over Skype, on, uh-huh. over phone, whatever you want. We'll talk about whatever you'd like. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, 15 minutes for $51. And on top of that, you kind of... You'll get, you know, the the requisite, you know, a copy of the film, a credit in the film, all that kind of stuff. Plus these kind of, you know, 15 minutes to talk about whatever the hell you want to. That is amazing. Okay, people, if you don't get that. Yeah, like if, <laughs> if you can't if you can't sleep and, you know, you need to, uh, you want me to read you a bedtime story? <laughs> I'll do that. Well, you've got me for, for 15 minutes. You get what, what, whatever you want, I will, I will do. 
Um, maybe not phone sex. <laughs> Just except for that. Maybe, maybe not. You never know where it's going to end up. I might not do that, but, but you, like, you want me to make cat noises on the phone for you for 15 minutes? I will, I will meow. I will, I will, uh, I have my guitar. I'll play you a song. I'll do like whatever, whatever you want. But for $101, and it's again, it's down on that green thing. All you have to do is find the one that's called answering machine slash ringtone, $101. For $101, I will, uh, I'll specifically make a personalized MP3 file that you can then use as like the outgoing message on your phone. Ah. You know, so when, when people call you, I will, like, you know, I'll just, I'll leave. I'll create this thing that's, you know, sorry, so-and-so is not around right now. It's Matt Austin here, SPD Green Ranger, Bridge Carson, and blah, 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 blah. I'll leave your outgoing message. I'm, I'll be sure to include the words buttery. Um, <laughs> I can, I, or, so I thought that that would be cool to leave someone's answering machine message for them or leave a message on someone's machine for them. You know, you have someone that you want to wish, you know, happy birthday to, I'll do that. Um, or I'll like I'll record like uh, like a ringtone for you, like your phone could ring to me sing buttery in a hundred different ways. Exactly. Like that would be f- a million ideas right now. He's giving you gems right now. Yeah. Gems. <laughs> um, so that's what I got. So you have I don't know when this is when you're gonna put this online, but there's not a lot of time. <laughs> Time's running out right now. Time is running out right it, now. It's right dirty. now. As we're recording this, it's 35 hours and counting. By the time you listen to this, there could be two hours left. So, so get out there and contribute. Help me make this film, and you basically, you know, you, you'll get a piece of me. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> I don't want anyone being like, but he said a piece of him, and Hello? I want your left index finger, you know, toenail. Come on. Yeah. I need to clone me another Matt Austin. Hello. Yeah. Oh, so that's the story. Well, I mean, and then what do you, you said that you wanted to make this film as much as like a feature as possible. So distribution wise, where do you see it going? Well, we already have some, some, you know, promises from like different networks that show short films, but basically we'll take it on like a rolling road show, uh, kind of thing. And it will play, uh, comedy festivals kind of just all around North America. Any final thoughts before you go? Any final words? I guess just that, you know, I loved being a ranger. I love that I have like a, a group of people that I can always go to, whether I have a, when I have a question or I need some help with something, that's really rare. So uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for not only like being a fan of the show and being a fan of me, but also like, I can't do a lot of the things I'm doing without your support. So. Thank you. Did anybody ask you to do anything that was extremely out of the ordinary? You know, I mean, everyone says buttery. Okay, fine. But was there any special request that you you kind of had to cock your eye a little bit? No, not yet. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the day that someone asks me to like draw something on them so that they can get it tattooed over it. That hasn't <laughs> happened yet, and it's always really cool to see how creative people can get with like where they want me to write buttery. Like you know, there's always someone that brings out toast or some sort of frozen 
buttery popcorn or, or, or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, when I go to these things, like I want to, I challenge you to come up with the most creative <laughs> things that I can do with buttery. Uh, Amazing. Yeah.